Hey everybody, Nick Espinoza, your chief security fanatic here. And in 23andMe news, we got to talk about them because 23andMe are blaming their victims for their latest data breach. Now here's the thing, they're partially right. I think this is an important one to understand. Now, a good backdrop on this is TechCrunch's Lorenzo Franceschi Bicciari, Bicciari, and Lorenzo, I apologize just in advance for butchering your last name, which is really cool, but... Lorenzo had a really good write-up here in TechCrunch because essentially 23andMe is facing more than 30 lawsuits from their victims due to this data breach. And so 23andMe is now deflecting to basically blame the victims in an attempt to absolve itself from any responsibility, according to a letter basically sent to a group of victims as seen by TechCrunch. Quote, rather than acknowledge its role in this data security disaster... 23andMe has apparently decided to leave its customers out to dry while downplaying the seriousness of these events, end quote. That's according to Hassan Zavri, and again, I'm just butchering names today, one of the lawyers representing the victims who received the letter from 23andMe talking to TechCrunch via email. Now, in December, if you recall, 23andMe, uh, and 23andMe admitted that attackers had basically broken in and stolen the genetic and ancestry data of about 6.9 million users and that's roughly half of all the customers, apparently. Now, that data breach started with the attackers accessing about 14,000 accounts or so. But the attackers broke into the first set of victims by brute forcing the accounts with passwords that were known to be associated with those targeted customers. That's known as credential stuffing. From those 14,000 initial victims, though, they were able to access then the personal data of about 6.9 million users because those users had opt, those 14,000 had opted in to 23andMe's DNA relatives feature. So you go, you get your DNA, and you say, hey, yeah, show me relatives, show me the brothers and sisters I didn't know I had, thanks, dad, you know, or whatever it is. Now, that optional feature basically allows, as I said, uh, those 23andMe users to share some of their data with those that are considered relatives on the platform. And the only way you're going to be a relative, from what I understand, is DNA. Now, in other words, by hacking those 14,000 accounts, 6.9 million were at risk because it's interconnected, similar to social media. You break into me, for example, like in Facebook, now you have access to my thousands of followers right now you can message them etc etc and so you're getting some kind of access but obviously when we're sharing dna something that is very very personal that's obviously a huge thing now in a letter sent to groups of hundreds of 23andme users who are now suing the company 23andme said quote users negligently recycled and failed to update their passwords following these past security incidents which are unrelated to 23andme so it's obvious that 23andMe, assuming that their statement is correct, is actually correct. Yes, we have a problem with people using passwords over and over. We are creatures of habit. And so there are people out there that have the same password for Facebook as they do Netflix, as they do their bank. And that's a very serious problem. We need good cyber hygiene. And 23andMe is absolutely correct in that. But, but... Cybersecurity is a shared responsibility, and 23andMe seems to be lacking some basic security principles here as well. So, for example, if I'm a user for 23andMe, they are holding very highly sensitive data on me. So, why isn't multi-factor authentication enforced on users without exception? 
most websites try to get you to sign up and make it as easy as possible. Go sign up for Facebook in 30 seconds with an email address, pop in a password, and you're good to go. You can enable MFA, but we are living in the era of people that are basically living with complacent passwords, recycled passwords. Why aren't they enforcing something in the same way that a bank would, given how sensitive that information is? That's in their best interest to protect their customers to avoid exactly this kind of credential stuffing attack. So why aren't they doing that? I think that is possibly a really good question to ask in court. On top of it, where was their intrusion detection system or intrusion prevention systems? Was it that retroactive that it didn't catch basically a credential uh, password spraying attack for, for hours or days? That's another one. What are they running in terms of threat detection technology? I can go basically to some places and try to log in, and as soon as I start shotgunning out passwords and attempting it as we run penetration testing and vulnerability testing here in, in my company, we, we get shut down on the good sites within like a minute, and then we get blocked. Why wasn't that happening? What happened that, that they were simply just allowing that, not to mention the fact you can also geo-block your users. So for example, if I say, hey, I'm in the United States, and suddenly somebody is trying to log in as me from another country, rhymes with schmussa or, you know, somewhere else. Why doesn't 23andMe say, hey, you need to verify and enforce multi-factor authentication or something along those lines to say, you are usually in the United States and now you're logging in from overseas? Something ain't right. And maybe it is me. Maybe I'm, I don't know, in another country showing my long lost relatives I just met my 23andMe account, but at least I'd have to jump through hoops. This is what we're talking about. Now, on top of this, Let's talk about internal controls of 23andMe. Now, for the record, I cannot speak to those internal controls specifically because I am not a 23andMe, 23andMe user. If you're a longtime listener or follower of mine, you know that I've done a lot of writing uh, videos, podcasts, radio segments on why I don't do that as much as I want to due to the privacy and security issues we've got here. But it makes me wonder if their DNA relatives feature isn't missing some basic behavioral analysis for threat, you know, or, or perhaps it's giving their users too much freedom to quickly export or grab relatives DNA information without, let's say, first asking permission for the relative. So if I can log in and I'm connected to like my mom and my grandma and siblings and cousins and, you know, whoever it is, and I go ahead and say, yes, just download everything and give me that information in like one nice tree or whatever it is. And let's say nobody gets notified or says, hey, you know, you got to get grandma's permission first, <clears throat> you know, before you do that. That's a check internally. Now, again, I get the sense that that may not be there, that once you're in and once you've accepted, you have way more control than you should. There's no granularity and security, but I also could be wrong there. But the point is, is that this is a shared responsibility. And while 23andMe is absolutely right that we should not be reusing passwords, this proves it, they're not off the hook. And I don't think they're off the hook by a long, long shot because it is on them to ensure the security of their users when they're holding that much sensitive data. And if they are not enabling just default practices or best practices, I should say, for cybersecurity in now 2024 and late 2023, that's a serious issue. So take that for what it's worth. That's my two cents. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online. Please attempt to stay private. And if you're a long lost relative or sibling I don't know about, you're probably not going to know who I am. Take care.